Tuning you in now to the LBX Daily Show. Brought to you by the LBX Collective. Your community to connect, engage, and inspire. Now, let's get ready to roll. With your hosts, Christine Buer and Brandon Wiley. <laughs> All right. Well, hey there. Welcome back to another edition of The Daily Show. I'm Christine, and I am joined by the ever-insightful Brandon. And together, we're peeling... <laughs> you love my intro for you? Yeah, yeah. We're peeling back the layers of the ever-evolving world of location-based entertainment and possibly a fun few other things along the way. All righty. So to kick things off today, I have a little poll. So Peabody put right. out this poll and they're asking people, which is your favorite theme park? So your options were Disney, Universal, or uh, Six Flags. So tell me, how would you vote, first of all? Uh, see, so, so this is this is like a little bit of like that would you rather game that my kids yeah. always want me to play and I never do it the way they want me to because I'm like such a gray person. I'm like, well, it depends. Yeah. I always say it depends. And then they're like, no, you're just supposed to answer. So here's my yeah. point. Here's, here's my reason. It depends. If I were just to like go because I just want a great themed experience and I just want to have fun and enjoy myself for the day and have some nostalgia, Disneyland all the way. And, and uh, you know, it, gets, it also depends. We're just talking about Disneyland versus like Magic Kingdom or Epcot or whatever, but Disneyland, classic. But I love Universal because I think they've really killed it with some of the most recent rides. So especially if you go to their um, Islands, Islands of Adventure and that's where you've got you've got Hagrid's motorbike, you know, and then you've also got the Velosa coaster and like some of those. And so I just love good rides, but then, you know what? I'm also a sucker for six flags, magic mountain because I love <laughs> roller coasters. And so if you go to like magic mountain has like 40 roller coasters, you cannot beat a day just go on roller coaster after roller coaster. So anyway, it's a yeah. tough call. That's what my mood is, you know? So, okay. Okay. Brandon, you just took a simple complex question and you made it complete complex so See, I know. <laughs> i'm putting a gun to your problem. head and i'm saying you choose what's what are you gonna choose uh i'm gonna choose disneyland i'll choose disneyland that's fine okay yeah. okay that's hilarious i chose universal and it was a hard one too i agree because mm -hmm. i agree with you with everything that you're saying but i think i was voting more for the company as a whole right now because i think that mm -hmm. what they're doing is really progressive and they're expanding and so i kind of like the direction they're going so i'm having a little bit more of a love in for universal currently at the moment even though i would never not love disneyland to death so but interestingly mm -hmm. enough here's here are the results um and i'm not sure how many people actually voted on oh you can kind of add it up so quite a few people oh, yeah. voted about 50,000 or so is winning yeah. yeah disney's winning by far by far so yeah, it's yeah, kind of yeah. an interesting, fun little poll. Yeah, not surprising. I mean, I guess that's the other thing too. If we were talking about Universal Studios in, in LA, like it depends which Universal Studios and also which Six Flags. Fair. And yeah, if it's fair. Universal Studios in LA, that doesn't cross, that doesn't even make it. Six Flags is above that one for me. If it's Universal in Florida, oh man, they're killing it over there. So it really depends yeah. on which park, I think. That's a good point. See, there you go. Let's complex this baby up a bit more. It was a simple. I know. Let's see. That's my problem. Yeah, that's why would you rather? Don't ever ask me those. Mm -hmm. So, all right. Well, that all was right. awesome to, to get started. So, there's another poll that was uh, put out, and this this was a little bit less of like a direct poll, but more of like a you know some research that was done and an article that was released recently that I read in the Atlantic. And this is a little bit sad, um, says that the average amount of time that American men spend socializing face to face has fallen 30 percent from 2003 to 2022. So less than 20 years and 45 percent among teenagers. 
And, you know, I've just found this picture as well. Like, you know, this, this was actually a picture that was with the article. And I think it's just like literally four guys sitting in a restaurant, all looking at their phones, eating alone. And I feel like that's such a sad picture. And yeah, obviously they put it in black and white to reinforce this. But, you know, I think that it's pretty remarkable how we've seen such a dramatic drop off. And, you know, they, they go and they say there's a couple of reasons for that, that they, you know, conjecture anyway. One of those is the lack of or the reduction in people going to religious institutions and faith-based uh, institutions. So, you know, basically people going to church and having social groups and things like that. There's also been a reduction in groups like Rotary groups and Elks Lodges and other things that used to be a place for people to gather. And, you know, obviously we've had as well, the increase in social media and digital engagement and cell phones. And like that has really driven the face-to-face engagement down as well. Um, but, you know, I think this was just a good reflection in, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, Christine, but just the why this is why what we do is so important in this industry. Yeah, no, for sure. Creating the spaces for people to come out and finding things that are enjoyable for them. I'd love to dive into this research a little bit further and really kind of understand more why this is happening. Is this just a trend that we're currently seeing? Did, like, how did we set ourselves up in society for this? You know, was it just the pandemic? Was it you know, the, is it just the way that we've raised men in the past, you know, 50 years? Like, Cause I think that that's a big problem as well. I think looking at that, there's uh, definitely some issues around that and their comfort level and just kind of this masculine and feminine kind of fight that's going on out there in general. So I, I think it's a very complex question. Yeah. And, you know, I think I would, I would, pro- you know, there would probably be a little bit more questions around the, the men versus women thing, but then to see just the generic drop in teenagers in both genders or, you know, all genders, I should say, uh, and teenagers dropping 45% as well. I think that that's even more of a sign that there's clearly some systemic thing happening, but I think also why we see this, this, I don't call it a resurgence, but this, this massive influx in competitive socializing venues as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. Definitely. That's, I mean, after especially coming out of the pandemic and you look at the impact that that had on people, it's damaged people's ability to communicate. I know my daughter for sure. I mean, you, you've got kids. Mm-hmm. Mine, mine didn't go to school for almost a year. And so she lost that year of learning how to socialize, learning how to get along with people. And it's, it's made a drastic difference. Like I can definitely see that she's behind in some things. Certainly. Yeah, absolutely. So. And and it would be interesting because they didn't they didn't actually show like a trend line on on the article. Mm-hmm. It would be interesting to see the trend line to see was it just a straight line decrease or was there you know social media and then maybe like five years into social media see a little bit of a dip or the release of the iPhone and the, and the Android and yeah. then was it COVID another dip or was it just more of a straight decline? I would like to actually see the chart as well. Um, but you know, I think con- turning it around maybe to make it a positive thing for our industry. I think this is why. The, you know, again, why competitive socializing is really amping and ramping up. And we've seen things like putt shack and pop stroke. And like, those are clearly opportunities for on the mini golf side for people to come out and just socialize together. Top golf has been obviously a a, a key area in that for a number of years. And then you've seen new guys like, so Red Engine, I say new, because they're new here in the US. Uh, They've been around since 2015. Their first location opened in London in 2015. And They've grown now to 25 venues, and what they actually do is they have two different concepts. The first one is called Flight Club, and it's basically you know competitive socializing built around darts. 
And so one of the things they do is take traditional games like darts and shuffleboard, and then they basically put a contemporary twist on them. So that you can see there's, if you're looking, if you're watching some video, you can see there is, um, it's a regular dartboard, but then it's actually projection, uh, not projection mapped, but mapped when, so it knows when it lands a dart on the dartboard and then has a screen above. And so they blend technology with the different social aspects of group play. They create new, unique multiplayer games and things that you can do together. You're not just playing darts, your traditional darts, so they do have that available. And then, you know, another one that they have, you know, here's a group of girls that were ironic was I, they actually really like taking pictures of girls and putting them up on their website or women, because I could not find hardly any pictures with men. And it's funny because the stat we were talking about was men. Um, so, you know, here, I think what they've done is have a, they've got a really cool aesthetic in their, you know, in their venues. Uh, have you ever been to a flight club, Christine? I haven't been to, I've only seen the one that you were in and recording from a couple months ago. Yeah, I really, really, really liked it. Like, I thought it was super cool. And I love darts. So I'm a big dart fan, but I yeah. thought it was super cool feel. And then this is their electric shuffle venues. And I think what's interesting is they actually don't combine the two. The two are very, you know, are independent. I would have expected to maybe see them combine really elevated food and beverage and, you know, the cocktails you can see here, like they just, they, they do things really well from an F and B and cocktail standpoint, as well as the you know competitive play that they've developed. And so, you know, I think that it's just a, um, yeah, I think they're just, they're doing, they're doing some good things. Yeah. I like, I like that. I like what they're doing. I think one of the things that I'm starting to recognize more and more is that if you just don't have that elevated level of food and beverage, your facility is just going to suffer. Like it's just people, they, that, that you have to almost think of that as another attraction that you have to focus on yes. and give as much attention to as your attractions. And it's interesting in this case, how they're just single attractions at a single location and they didn't have to combine attractions, which, you know, you and I talk about on the regular about, mm -hmm. can you actually just run a location with a single attraction? And, and if they're doing it well, I guess what we're looking at is food and beverage truly is its own attraction combined with that. And you create this social environment for people to come together. So it just, it's, it's yeah. interesting. Makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You, you cannot have. Uh, and you also have to have a really good high, uh, like high level of aesthetic and theming as well. And it doesn't have to be like an immersive theme that takes you to some other land. It just has to be done really well, especially if you're yes. only going to, that also has to be the attract another attraction. If you're only going to go with one experience, uh, you know, I yeah. think the, the, the thing that I always struggle with though, with flight club electric shuffle, I think is a little bit more approachable is again, it comes down to accessibility or approachability with the gameplay. And I played, I was there, I was playing with another, uh, you know, friend of mine and like I'm, I played arts, so I was pretty good. Um, she was not, and yeah. I kicked her ass like severely. Oh. And, um, and it, so like, it didn't, it wasn't as fun for people. Like, so again, we're right. like, I think your gameplay has to be accessible as well, or at least approachable by a broader group, you know, broader demographic or set of the population. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or, I mean, you just simply understand that. I, I don't know. Like if I was walking in there and I was going to play darts, knowing I'm not good at darts, I just know I'm not good at darts. I'm just going to have a good old time. You know, mm -hmm. this isn't mm -hmm. for competition. Not everything is a competitive thing. It's just there. So you can socialize, have a few drinks and, and it's just a fun time. So it's okay. I don't think that. No, <laughs> I think I, it's I disagree. Just, yeah, everything is, everything is competitive. Everything is competitive. Yes, I know, I know. I know. I know. Yeah. I know. I know. Um, yes, well, yes, yes, so sorry. look, these, these guys are out of the UK. <laughs> These guys are out of the UK and our very own Kevin Williams, who, you know, obviously mm -hmm. co-hosts the, uh, or, you know, leads the sound off with Kevin Williams, one of our other podcasts, and also is the 
brilliant mind behind the Sting Report that comes out every Tuesday. Um, he's actually now uh, officially an ambassador with EAG, which is the European um, you know, Entertainment and Amusement Gaming Expo. And they'll be launching next year at their, their show in London, will be launching a, a colloquial event supporting basically the socializing sector. So uh, anyway, just a little plug. As you start thinking about going yeah, to EAG, right on. we'll definitely be involved in, uh, in promoting these types of facilities because I think it's yeah. going to be a big part yeah. of LBE going forward. I do. And I think that it's going to evolve as well. Like it's not mm-hmm. going to stay where it's at. It's going to have to continue to evolve and change for people to stay interested in it. So I'm really curious to see where this uh, is actually headed. So congratulations yep. to Kevin for taking that on. And uh, yep. <laughs> it's another good opportunity over to London yep. for us. So there you go. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. Okay. I found the cutest thing the other day and I just had to share it with everybody. It is your own personal gaming console. So have you always wanted an arcade cabinet with all of your favorite games and everything you can take everywhere and play? Well, I'm not saying that I have, but <laughs> I came I think, across I, think I have one. Before. I don't know. I know, but this is different. Okay, I'm going to show a video huh. of this because this this console is actually really cute and totally different and um, kind of retro and fun. It almost reminds me of an Atari, but even better. So here we go. I'm just going to share a little Instagram post of it. And you can kind of see here. You can see it on the screen, okay? Um, it's a little case that has a little screw on the outside. You unscrew it, you screw it in, you get a joystick on the inside, your kind of controllers and your, um, you know, your buttons there. And it can be a single player game or a double player in the back. There's a, a spot to plug in an additional controller. You can kind of see it up there on the right hand side. The, this console has either 2,800 games or 5,000 games. You can pick from the two different consoles. They have everything from Street Fighter, Streets of Rage, which apparently is a very hot game right now. Uh, they also have Batman, RoboCop. I saw the Simpsons games in there. So tons of different, different games in there. Uh, it costs between about $400 to $450, depending on the number of players and the, the games that you choose to be loaded into the console. And it's got uh, also gameplay that can be saved, which I thought was cool. So if you're playing your game and you get to a certain point, it'll save where you're at so you can shut the game down and then come back and continue later on. I thought, uh, what a fun little product, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's cool. I I dig it. Um, I'm not sure that I'm the target market for it just because I don't know when I sit down and play video games, but I know lots of people that I think would love to have this kind of thing. And although there's just a lap, it's a lap based, you know, arcade console. So you could be like sitting in the plane and playing it or on a road trip or whatever. So yeah, it's cool. I, I, I like it a lot. I thought it was fun. Now they do have another model. Actually, it looks like a big keyboard and you can plug it into your own monitor, but the same thing, it's got a two player with all the buttons and the joysticks. It's got the lights that light up. It just kind of makes it a little bit more fun and magical to play, you know, your own arcade game at home, I guess. Yeah, totally. I dig it. Awesome. Uh, Okay. So one of the reasons why I picked Disneyland in that poll at the beginning is just because what they, some of the things they do for their guests. And so uh, this this story was super cool. It's like a little bit of a heartwarming a heartwarming story. So the Disney Photo Pass team received a letter from this this uh, kid Rowan and his mother Katie about her son's passion for photography, and is basically sharing that he one day wants to work for Disney and admires the cast members who make these types of you know who basically take pictures. Right, it's the Photo Pass team, and he likes these these cast members so much that he actually, when he goes to Disneyland, they have a, they have a major, they have a, like a annual pass. He shares gifts with these cast members during his visits. And then, you know, basically they wanted to turn around and share their appreciation. And so they basically surprised him on his most recent Walt Disney world visit. 
So they made him an honorary photographer for the day at Magic Kingdom Park, where he spent his time learning about the job and, you know, where he obviously hopes to one day, you know, basically become yeah. one of them. And so I just love this picture. Like, there's, you know, you, you've got here, like, he's so happy. He's wearing, they, they actually yeah. put on a um, photo pass shirt. He got his own shirt with his own name tag. And then he also got an exclusive photography session so he could learn how to frame and capture good photos. And then it was his turn. He could basically got to take the camera and he posed his family for photos and then had the uh, basic a photo session with a visit from Pluto. So you can, oops, wrong direction. So look at, I'm just, he's so excited. <laughs> look at that smile. He's so I love happy. it. Like yep. it's so awesome. And uh, here he's getting to meet Pluto and he gets to have a special uh, photo session with them. And, um, you know, I, I think, so Renee Villa, who was the operations uh, associate project manager for Disney Photo Pass. She was one of the cast members who helped make this thing happen. And, you know, for, for um, sorry, I said for uh, she is him was a full circle moment. So like basically at his desk in the photo pass office, he has a framed childhood letter his mother saved and gave to him saying that he wanted to run away to work at Walt Disney World. And he, <laughs> he kept that letter from his childhood as a reminder that dreams do come true. And so then when he was reading about another child wishing to work at Disney, it basically inspired him and the larger team knowing that he wanted to make a special day for him. And the kid just said it was magical and he can't wait to come back and eventually take photos at Walt Disney World as a Disney Photo Pass cast member because he loves to make people smile. So, um, you know, I, I just think that was awesome. Disney doesn't have to do that, right? They don't have to yeah. provide those special experiences for people. And this is what makes them stand out above and beyond others. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love it. Well, you know, what's especially cool about this is like that, that is a memory that that kid is going to have for the rest of his life. It'll, that'll be a pivotal moment in that child's oh. life that will change the projection of whatever he planned to do. And it will completely impact everything. And uh, amazing. Absolutely mm -hmm. amazing. Yeah. Yep. Good for Disney. Yep. They need to do more of those. <laughs> they should call them pivotal moments or something like that. Right. And yeah. We'll yeah. Yeah. Or magic moments, they call them maybe some, I don't know if they call them magic moments, but I think, mm. yeah, I think those things are, are amazing. And I think what they, what I love is that they give their staff, now I'm sure their staff had to get some clearance and things. They couldn't just do it, but they give their staff so much autonomy to think about these types of things and, and create these things. So uh, that's, yeah. that's what I love about it as well. It's like, it's, it's part yeah. of their culture and it's not just, yeah. um, you know, they're, 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 they're encouraged to find those opportunities to create those moments. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Um, all right. Hey, listen, I had another location I wanted to share, but I don't think we have enough time. So I'm going to pivot okay. <laughs> and all maybe right. talk a little bit about, you know, what's coming up here, St. Patrick's Day. And uh, I thought this was just a fun little thing uh, that's happened as a little collaboration. So Gizne Disney or not Disney. Oh, my gosh. Guinness and Tipsy Scoops have partnered together to create this lucky Sunday Guinness draft ice cream with maple pancake on it. Okay, I'm going to bring up a picture. Now, if you haven't heard of Tipsy Scoops before, they're, oh my gosh, this company is super cool. So they create all these different type of alcoholic uh, ice creams to eat and nosh on. Um, so anyway, here's a picture of the Lucky Sunday with the Guinness in it. But I also have uh, some more that they do. So these ones, we've got a vanilla bean bourbon ice cream, uh, vodka battered uh, martini ice cream. And oh my gosh, this one looks so good. A Mozart spiked strawberry bonbon. Absolutely delicious. Now, all of these treats contain 5% alcohol in them, believe it or mm. not. So, I mean, that's like drinking a beer. Now, yeah. I feel like the calorie content might be like <laughs> quadruple that of a beer. It's, it's probably but, more I mean, than I a beer. Probably, yeah. yeah. 
I, I might try it once. Do you know what I mean? Uh, just for fun. But I mean, blending alcohol and ice cream has grown in popularity in recent years and adult consumers are just, I guess, licking it up, shall we say, <laughs> because it's a unique and different uh, indulging offering. So I thought this was really fun. They're going to have this in stores at their all of their tipsy sh- uh, tipsy uh, scoop locations as well. It's available on goldbelly.com. And I don't know if you've ever been to goldbelly.com, but it's a cool website. Like there's all these curated products from these specialty um chefs and cooks that have these different companies from around uh, the U S and they like, they serve out sausages, pizzas, croissants, all these different types of things. That's a really neat site to check out. So if you have a chance to check it out, uh, give it a try and let us know what you think of tipsy scoops ice cream. Oh, man. especially the Guinness. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I got, uh, you know, next time I go to Wisconsin, I have to find tipsy scoops and bring it for my uncle. He's a massive Guinness fan. So uh, is he? You know, Perfect. To, yeah. Let's do that. It, it actually doesn't sound too bad. I think it might be tasty. Yeah, I think actually all of them look really good. So I think all of them would be very tasty, but yeah, have to try it. All right. right. Well, that wraps up our show for today. So as usual, CB and BW signing off. Stay tuned and keep kicking ass. See you later, guys.